In anticipation of a second quarter of negative growth, the Biden administration redefines recession. The collapse of New York City continues apace, and we explore two very different stories about racism. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. Today's show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. Do you like your web history being seen and sold to advertisers? No? Me neither. Get ExpressVPN right now at expressvpn.com slash Ben. Speaking of which, you know, the big tech companies, social media sites, they're not a big fan of your free speech. They like to monetize your data, but they don't like you saying what you have on your mind. And so they follow you around, they grab your data, they monetize themselves, but they always have the option of just getting rid of you. Why would you give them all of your data? Because that's the way they make their money. Instead of giving them my data, I use ExpressVPN. If you ever wondered how free to access tech giants make their cash, the answer is they track your searches, video history, everything you click on. They build a profile on you and then they sell off your sensitive data. When you use the ExpressVPN app on your computer or phone, however, you anonymize much of your online presence by hiding your IP address. That makes your activity more difficult to trace and sell to advertisers. What's more, ExpressVPN encrypts 100% of your network data to protect you from eavesdroppers and cyber criminals. What I like most is how easy it is to use. It takes just one click to protect all your devices, which is why ExpressVPN is rated number one by Business Insider. So stop allowing big tech to revoke your right to free speech. Why not revoke their right to your data instead? Secure your internet with the VPN I trust for online protection. Visit expressvpn.com slash Ben. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N.com slash Ben. Get three extra months free with my exclusive link. Go to expressvpn.com slash Ben right now to learn more. Well, the White House is expecting some bad economic news this week. We're expecting the second quarter GDP report. And most people believe that there will be negative GDP growth for the second consecutive quarter, all of which has led the Council of Economic Advisors to literally redefine what a recession has meant for quite a while here. Typically, when you are talking about recession, people mean two consecutive quarters of negative growth. But the reality is that it's always been a little bit tricky to define what a recession is. You know it when you're in it. And you don't know it when you're not in it. It's kind of it's kind of a pornography as defined by the Supreme Court thing. You know it when you see it. You feel like you're in a recession when things are getting more expensive, when you're worried about your job, when you're concerned about the future of the economy, and when the stock market starts to go down. But combinations of those factors could lead you to think that you're in a recession also. However, the sort of technical definition that has been consistently used for years and years is two quarters of negative GDP growth. So the Council of Economic Advisors under Joe Biden fearing that we're about to get a stat that drops this week that says that we are in a recession and then it becomes Biden's recession. They're simply redefining the term. So now, according to WhiteHouse.gov, what is a recession? While some maintain that two consecutive quarters of falling real GDP constitute a recession, that is neither the official definition nor the way economists evaluate the state of the business cycle. Oh, weird how that standard changed. Strange. Instead, both official determinations of recessions and economists' assessment of economic activity are based on a holistic look at the data. Based on these data, it is unlikely the decline in GDP in the fourth quarter of this year, even if it is followed by another GDP decline in the second quarter, indicates a recession. So it's very funny. Here's what they're doing. They had a, a really bad first quarter. Then the second quarter started, and we were told by the Biden administration that if we were worried about being in a recession, the stats weren't available yet to say that we were in a recession because we were still in the second quarter. Now, as we end the second quarter, and it's pretty clear that we are in a recession, they're attempting to redefine away the first quarter. They're now saying, well, you know, before we were worried that the second, the second quarter really wasn't the recession. Well, now that we know the second quarter was recessionary, the first quarter is not recessionary because that was other factors. Amazing how they, um, how they are just redefining this thing away. And this has become the typical Biden administration line. It is amazing that instead of simply recognizing that the economy is significantly weaker than it should be at this point, that inflation has taken a massive toll on Americans, that Americans are worried about the earnings that are coming out of the companies in which they are invested, that Americans are worried in the future about the stability of the markets. 
And then Americans are worried rightly about all of these things. Instead of just acknowledging that and then saying, here is our plan to quash that. And the plan can't involve more spending, guys. The plan can't just involve throwing money at the wall. Instead of acknowledging that, which would require them to change course, they're going to say it's all in your head. They're going to be the world's worst psychologist, and they're going to say that it's all because you're crazy. If you're worried about recession, it's because you're crazy. And if you point to the objective, verifiable data that we've had two consecutive quarters of negative GDP growth, if that's what ends up being released on Thursday, if you, if you point to that, they say even that is in your head because now we're going to redefine a way what a recession means. So Joe Biden yesterday, he was on Fox News, and he was asked, what is, are we in a recession? What's the deal here? And here was President Biden's answer. And Mr. President, we're getting GDP numbers on Thursday. How worried should Americans be that we could be in a recession? We're not going to be in a recession, uh, in my view. We're not in a recession, according to Joe Biden. So how exactly does he get out of the statement that we are in a recession based on the GDP stats? Well, they're just going to redefine it away. So Corrine Jean-Pierre was specifically asked about the redefinition of the word recession, and she just went right along with the idea that recession now means something different than it meant five minutes ago. Is the White House trying to change the common definition of a recession because next Thursday the GDP numbers coming out are going to show that we've been in a recession? So let me say this, you know, the strength of our labor market along with the other economic uh, factors is what, what we generally see in a recession or even a pre, a pre, what is not what we generally see in a recession or even a pre-recession because we're seeing the strength of the economy and the labor market. So that's really important uh, to note there, there because those are uh, key elements as we talk about that, as folks keep asking us about that. So what you can say is we are in a recession. We think it's going to be a shallow recession because the job market is still very strong. We're going to have to slam on the brakes. It's going to enter the economy into a period of negative growth, but then we believe it's going to recover fairly quickly because we are doing the right things, right? That's what a smart political White House would say. They're not saying that. Instead, they're saying that the recession doesn't even occur and it's all, it's, you're crazy. We're redefining the term recession, so we just won't use it. And if we don't say recession, then it doesn't exist. The Biden head of National Economic Council, Brian Deese, here he is explaining recession is not two quarters of negative growth. Right, and certainly the, in terms of the technical definition, it's not a recession. The technical definition considers a much broader spectrum uh, of data points. But in practical terms, what matters to the American people is whether they have a little economic breathing room, they have more job opportunities, their wages are going up. That has been Joe Biden's focus since coming into office. He has had a view of the economy that we need to look to build from the bottom up and middle out. And what that means is that typical working class people in this country have had trouble affording things for years. He is focused on building a strong, durable economic recovery here. We have real global challenges here in the short term. We've got to navigate our way through them, but we have to do so without giving up all our economic gains. What economic gains, precisely? Like, I'd like to hear the economic gains. We've had net wage loss over the course of the Biden administration amounting to thousands and thousands of dollars per family thanks to the massive inflation that has taken place here. And if you're going to attribute the rebound in job growth to Joe Biden, you're going to have to explain why. Truly, considering that a huge percentage of those job gains are concentrated in states that Joe Biden spends his days ripping. He's, he's going to have to explain why it is that red states have done significantly better under Joe Biden than the blue states have. Is that because he's just so kind and generous to the red states? Or is it because they've been running their states the way he does not run the federal government and they have been reaping the benefit of all of that? When Brian D says what Americans, you know, when you're worried about recession, Americans are really worried about whether they have a little breathing room. Do you feel like you have breathing room today? Do America... By polling data, something like 85% of Americans believe the country is headed in the wrong direction economically. Do they feel like they have breathing room here? The, the, the attempt to just 
brazen this thing out. It's impressive. I mean, again, you got to give them credit for intestinal fortitude because Americans are looking them straight in the eye and saying, we don't like the way you are running this economy. They're saying, nope, it's because you're crazy. This has never worked under any circumstances, politically, personally, in any circumstance in your life. When somebody says, I have a serious problem, and you say, no, you don't, things are fine. <laughs> that has never worked out particularly well, at least when you are answerable to that person. And so here's Brian Deese then explaining that the slowing economy is necessary for a transition. Uh, again, the, the, this sort of rhetoric is not helpful to people. They're not interested in the quote unquote transition. They're interested in what are you going to do to fix things? But here's Brian Deese trying, again, to pretend that there's a silver lining to all of this. We are seeing a slowing. Uh, that is not only expected, but necessary as we operate through this transition. So that's where our, our focus is in terms of diagnosing the economy. They, get, they, they just keep saying transition over and over and over again. They say we're transitioning to a green economy, so you're going to have to pay higher oil prices. We're transitioning to a, a build back better economy, so you're going to have to deal with the economic fallout. Well, what if we don't like the thing that you're trying to transition to enough to undergo the pain of the quote unquote transition you're trying to force upon us? And then in the end, of course, Brian Deese is forced to blame Vladimir Putin, which is what they always do. It's amazing how it, it's, it's sort of Putin knows on, Putin knows off with this crew. So when the gas prices go down, then it's not because of Putin allowing Nord Stream to flow. It's not because of that. It, 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 it's Putin's price hike when the gas goes up. When the gas goes down, that's because Joe Biden's really good at his job. When inflation is up, well, you know, that, that's probably the result of corporate greed. But when inflation goes down, that's because Joe Biden is really good at his job. It's a completely unfalsifiable thesis because everything good that happens is attributable to the doddering geriatric in the White House and everything bad that happens is attributable to everyone else, according to this White House. Here's Brian Deese blaming Vladimir Putin again. Remember the context here. Putin's invasion of Ukraine has taken uh, a lot of the store of commodities that go into food off the market, wheat, uh, other grains, because Ukraine and Russia are both big global suppliers. So we're doing what we can to grow more here in the United States, which will help our economy, people here in our country, but also the world. Well, the entire Biden administration is united in their notion that if they just fib to you about a recession, as you won't notice that we are in one, well, all of this, you know, it's enough to make you lose sleep. But here's the thing. You don't have to lose sleep, not as long as you have a great set of sheets. So you got yourself a great mattress, temperature's right in the room, it's nice and dark, but you're still tossing and turning. Maybe it's because you got sheets at the local gas station because they had a high thread count or something. That was a dumb move. Instead, why not go get Bull and Branch, the best sheets on planet Earth I know, because I literally took all of my other sheets and I threw them away. Their signature hemmed sheets from Bull and Branch, they're a bestseller for a reason. Bull and Branch uses the highest quality threads on Earth for a superior softness and a better night's sleep. Sheets made with threads so luxurious they are beloved by three U.S. presidents. They feel buttery to the touch, they're super breathable, they are perfect for every season. They've got over 10,000 stellar reviews. Bull and Branch signature sheets come in nine neutral colors in all sizes, from twin all the way on up to California King. You'll immediately feel the difference of their iconic signature sheets. They're 100% free from toxins, meaning no pesticides, formaldehyde, or other harsh chemicals. Bowling Branch sheets fit the deepest of mattresses and are labeled with top and bottom tags, so making your bed is easier than ever. And again, they fit properly, which means that when you put the sheet on the bed, the fitted sheets, they're not going to like pop up off the mattress and you find your face on the mattress in the morning, which is just weird. Instead, go get Bull and Branch. Right now, they give you a 30-night risk-free trial, free shipping, returns on all orders. And right now, if you use promo code Shapiro at bullandbranch.com, you get exclusive access to my listeners for 20% off through the end of the month. Again, 20% off through the end of the month with promo code Shapiro at bullandbranch.com. That is their best offer of the year before the holidays. Act right now, bullandbranch.com. Promo code Shapiro, 20% off, B-O-L-L and branch.com.
Meanwhile, Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, who fully admitted that she did not see this inflation coming, which means that she's really bad at her job. Because again, the definition of inflation is too much money following too few goods. So when you have a supply chain problem and then you blow trillions of dollars into the economy as your economic and fiscal policy, it turns out you might get inflation. Genius notion. Well, Janet Yellen, who is supposed to be good at this, but is not. She also says we are not headed for a recession. I do want to emphasize what a recession really means is a broad-based contraction yeah. in the economy. And even if that number is negative, we are not in a recession now. And um, I, I would, you know, warn that we should be um, not, not characterizing that as a recession. I understand that, but you're splitting hairs. I mean, if the technical definition is two quarters of contraction, you're saying that's not a recession? That's not the tech. No, that's not the technical definition. No. okay. that's just the definition that every single person believed it was until five seconds ago. And when people were worried about Joe Biden's economy back last year, they're saying, well, it's not a recession. We haven't had a single quarter of negative economic growth. Meanwhile, you got the Commerce Secretary, Gina Raimondo, who's saying, well, inflation has probably peaked at this point. We were told this two months ago. It, It apparently had not peaked. Also, if inflation peaks and then just sort of stays on the Mesa, well, that's not great either. If inflation goes from 9.1% annually to, let's say, 7% annually, is that a big win for Joe Biden? He keeps portraying major losses as big wins. He's got his team blasting out there. You know, the price of gas is down like 60 cents over the course of the last 35 days, right? And it's still 470 a gallon or something. So that that, that ain't going to win you any prizes, dude. No medals for having 460 gas instead of $5 gas. And no medals for 7% inflation instead of 9% inflation. Biden White House. Here's the Commerce Secretary Gina Romano trying to happy talk this thing. Has inflation peaked? <laughs> uh, you're asking all the crystal ball questions. <laughs> well, you talk to a lot of business uh, leaders. I, I mean, that, uh, that anyone who gives you a straight answer to that, I'm not sure is telling you the truth. I think probably. Um, but look, if I had said that a year ago, mm-hmm. you know, assuming another war doesn't break out, assuming we don't have another COVID, assume, you know, there's so much out of our control. What inflation is being, inflation is a global problem. Europe mm-hmm. is struggling more than we are. It's been largely driven by things out of our control. <laughs> I love that they all laugh when they're faced with, they've all contracted the, the Joker virus from Kamala Harris. Now, whenever they're asked to have a question, they all just laugh about it. Now, you're the Commerce Secretary. You should have some idea as to whether inflation has peaked or not. But since I get it. You're not going to make predictions because you've gotten every prediction wrong so far. Meanwhile, by the way, Walmart is cutting its profit outlook as it lowers prices to move goods, according to the Wall Street Journal. Walmart is warning that higher prices for food and fuel were causing consumers to pull back, an ominous sign for the U.S. economy that has relied on resilient household spending power through rising inflation. The country's largest retailer, which warned in May it was stuck with too much unsold goods, said on Monday it was having to cut prices to reduce merchandise levels at its flagship chain and Sam's Club warehouse chain. The markdowns will cause the company's profits to fall in the second quarter and fiscal year. Again, none of this is a particular shock because as the Federal Reserve raises the interest rates, as inflation eats up too much of people's money, people are going to spend less. This is how you enter into a period of stagflation, which is what we are about to enter into. And again, even if the inflation rate lowers to 7%. Remember, the inflation rate that we are typically looking for is like 2%, not 7%. The Biden administration was promising when it came into office like 1.5% inflation annually. We're now looking at something like five times that rate. So no, that is, that is not anything remotely worth bragging about. And the notion that we are going to be able to enter some sort of soft landing here where we don't enter recession by jacking up the interest rates and while inflation is this high, that, that was always 
that was always fabulism. It was always fantasy. And Muhammad Al-Aryan of, of Alliance, he, of Allianz, he, he has suggested for a while that essentially the way that you were supposed to get out of inflation is by gradually slowing the amount of money you were dumping into the economy and pulling back on those interest rates, on those 0% interest rates. And you could have done that gradually, but you could have done that at the beginning gradually. You can't do that when your car is about to hit the embankment. Well, the car is about to hit the embankment. That means you got to slam the brakes on. And there's no way for you not to get some form of whiplash when you slam the brakes on. That's what's going to happen to the economy right now. The announcement sent Walmart's shares down nearly 10% in after hours trading on Monday and pressured other stocks with Amazon falling about 4% as well. The warning casts a cloud over a week in which a raft of global brands and multinational companies from McDonald's and Procter & Gamble to Visa and General Motors are slated to update investors on their latest quarterly results and the outlook for the rest of the year. Inflation has been running near the highest levels in decades. The Federal Reserve is expected to raise interest rates this week as it seeks to fight higher prices. Several high-tech companies have warned in recent days of slowing growth. Leaders of some of the biggest banking companies have cautioned they see a high risk of recession now. Walmart, according to the Wall Street Journal, said higher prices for food and fuel have hurt sales of general merchandise, especially apparel. Makes sense. You can only afford gas and food. Right now, you can't afford new clothing. Those generate higher profit margins for the company's clothing. Overall, the company expects comparable store sales, excluding fuel, to rise 6% in the second quarter from a year ago. But the growth is now coming from the less profitable items because, again, people are looking for ways to, to save a little bit at this point. While U.S. unemployment remains near its lowest levels in decades, consumer sentiment fell in June to its lowest point on record, a sign of concern because household spending accounts for about 70% of U.S. economic output. Some shoppers, especially from lower-income households, are trading down to economy beer and discount cigarettes as they feel more pressure on their pocketbooks. Neil Saunders, the managing director of Global Data, says most retailers are not struggling to grow their top lines. They are struggling to maintain high levels of profitability that were commonplace over the past few years. Target also issued a profit warning in June, three weeks after it reported quarterly results, which, like Walmart, showed a surge in inventory levels. The big box retailers were caught off guard this spring as shoppers shifted their spending away from items that had been in high demand during the pandemic. The abrupt shift left many retailers with a glut of peak pandemic favorites, like casual clothing and home products that need to be marked down. Bed Bath & Beyond, Gap, they recently issued profit warnings and replaced their leadership as well. Walmart in May reported that inventories were up about 33% in the first quarter, in part because it misjudged all those shifts in consumer spending. And presumably, that is because of all of the continued talk about lockdowns and the fact people weren't gonna, were never going to go back to work and we weren't going to get back to regular life that you kept hearing over and over from the administration and from the media. Now Walmart and other retailers are trying to unload those items at a time when rising prices for gas and groceries have made some people rethink their spending. So as we predicted, you're starting to see the earnings go down. That means the stock market is likely to drop some as well. Plus, the Fed is set to inflict more pain on the economy as it readies a big rate hike, according to Rich Miller over at Yahoo Finance and Bloomberg. The Federal Reserve will probably have to inflict much more pain on the economy to get inflation under control. Growth is already slowing in response to the Fed's repeated interest rate increases. With the housing market softening, technology companies curbing hiring and unemployment claims edging up. But with inflation proving persistent at a four-decade high, a growing number of analysts say it will take a full recession and markedly higher joblessness to ease price pressures significantly. Remember, the, the Biden administration right now, they keep claiming that the job numbers are really, really good, which they are. That's because jobs are a lagging indicator of economic health. The job market didn't really start to take a dump even in the 2007-2008 recession until well after the recession was underway. Jobs are the last thing to get cut. So you first have to feel the impact at your company and then you try to save everybody's job. You know, as the head of a company, I can say we try to hire people, not fire people. And then only when you have to, do you actually let people go? According to Bloomberg, with inflation proving persistent, there's no choice but to continue jacking up the interest rates. 
Bank of America Chief U.S. Economist Michael Gapin is forecasting a mild recession starting in the second half of 2022. He said we have to curb things domestically to help us get where we want to go on inflation. Fed officials continue to maintain they can avoid a recession and instead engineer a soft landing. That looks not particularly promising at this point. And again, the investors are betting that the Fed is going to need to cut interest rates next year to bolster the economy. So what's weird is that the the investment class is now suggesting that the Federal Reserve is going to have to jack up the interest rates. And then because the economy is weak next year, it's going to have to jack down the interest rates again, which I guess the idea here is that you you give a shock cure to the economy to cure the inflation and then you go back to loose monetary policy. I'm not sure how that is going to work particularly well, again, in an economy that has been jacked around so many times in the past couple of years. Well, obviously, a lot of uncertainty in the market. Investors aren't sure where to go. But here is the thing. Diversification is your friend. I know a lot of people have been ripping on Bitcoin lately. But for me, every time Bitcoin goes down, it's kind of an opportunity, which is why I own Bitcoin. I own Ethereum. I have not sold them because you don't sell when the market is low. That's a dumb move. Instead, you might want to start experimenting with things like Bitcoin right now, because again, the price is pretty good. Do you have an account with Coinbase? Are you thinking of opening one? Do you own any Bitcoin, Ethereum, Cardano, or other crypto? Crypto might represent the future of money. It's one of the most exciting investment opportunities to come around in a while. But what about taxes? Well, with an alto crypto IRA, you can trade crypto like Bitcoin and you can avoid or defer the taxes. You can get into investing in crypto. Do it in a tax-advantaged retirement account. Trade all you want without the tax headache. You can create an account in just a few minutes and invest with as little as 10 bucks. No setup charges, no account fees. They've got 150 plus coins available, including Bitcoin, Ethereum, and Cardano. They've got industry-leading security, the advanced encryption standard for wallets and private keys, and a bunch of ways to fund your account. So open an Alto Crypto IRA with as little as 10 bucks today. Just go to altoira.com slash Ben. That's A-L-T-O-I-R-A.com slash Ben. Start investing in cryptocurrency today. Go to altoira.com slash Ben. That's altoira.com slash Ben. As the Wall Street Journal is reporting, as the Federal Reserve prepares to meet this week, Wall Street investors are betting that officials will raise interest rates aggressively through the end of the year and then turn around and start cutting them about six months later. The unusual wager reflects investors' growing sense the Fed is driving the economy into a recession as it tries to fight inflation, according to analysts. At the same time, by constraining longer-term borrowing costs, it makes a recession slightly less likely to happen soon. That's a boost to riskier assets like stocks compared with a more traditional bet that rates wouldn't boomerang so quickly. Again, the idea here is they want to lower the interest rates again, because if they keep those interest rates high, they're actually raising the price of the national debt. So they have to reduce the interest rates again. And when they reduce the interest rates again, presumably there'll be more money pouring back into stocks. Bets on the future course of short-term interest rates play a decisive role in determining yields on U.S. government bonds. Those in turn set a floor on borrowing costs across the economy, with higher yields curbing growth and lower yields boosting it. On net, Investors' current assumptions about the future are doing more to help the inflation fight than hurt it. Their belief the Fed will keep raising interest rates this year means that yields are roughly 3% on treasuries that mature in a year, even though the actual rate control by the Fed is currently set between 1.5% and 1.75%. In other words, they keep investing in the idea that the Fed is going to keep raising rates. Everybody expects the Fed to keep raising rates. But people are still are, are attempting to, to move into the markets in a weird way Interest rate derivatives like overnight index swaps reveal investors thinking in more granular detail. As of Friday, they showed investors expect the Fed to raise its benchmark federal funds rate by three quarters of a percentage point on Wednesday. The Fed is subsequently expected to lift the Fed funds rate to about 3.3% by the end of the year. Investors expect no further increases after that. They're betting the Fed is going to be cutting rates by June, bringing short-term rates to roughly 2.5% by the middle of 2024. Jim Karen, Senior Portfolio Manager, Chief Strategist of Global Fixed Income at Morgan Stanley, says from an expectation standpoint, it's not been at an extreme like this, this sort of anticipated policy turn. 
The Fed has cut rates within a year of raising them several times in the past, most recently in 2019. Investors, however, have been typically cautious about anticipating pivots like that. So again, all of this suggests that the Fed has way too much power over the economy. If everybody is sort of betting at this point on whether the Fed is going to raise rates this month or next month or six months from now, or going to reverse course. Economics is meant to be a predictable business. It's meant to be a business where you have low rates of static in the system, as George Gilder, the economist, has suggested. And that is what a solid economy does. You know that the sun is going to rise in the, in the east tomorrow, and that's why you invest in a particular way. If you don't know whether the sun is going to rise in the east, it might rise in the west tomorrow. It makes it very difficult to invest your money. And so the sort of vacillation and up and down that the Federal Reserve is promoting at this point, I don't think is, is quieting anyone. Well, the economy is really unpredictable right now, but here is the thing. Life insurance can offer peace of mind anyone who relies on you financially can count on because, again, God forbid something should happen to you. This means that your family is taken care of. Policy Genius is an insurance comparison website that makes it easy to compare quotes from top companies like AIG and Prudential in one place to find your lowest price. It could save 50% or more on life insurance by comparing quotes with Policy Genius. Just click the link in the description or head on over to policygenius.com Shapiro to get personalized quotes in minutes and find the right policy for your needs. Licensed agents at Policy Genius work for you, not the insurance companies. They're on hand throughout the entire process to help you understand your options so you can make decisions with confidence. Policy Genius doesn't add on the extra fees. Your personal information is private. Policy Genius won't sell your details to third parties. Policy Genius has thousands of five-star reviews across Google and Trustpilot, and Policy Genius offers options that offers coverage in as little as a week and avoid the unnecessary medical exams. There's a reason that since 2014, Policy Genius has helped 30 million people shop for insurance, and they've placed over $150 billion in coverage. Head on over to policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Get your free life insurance quotes today. See how much you could save. Again, that's policygenius.com slash Shapiro. Meanwhile, the Democrats continue to push forward massive spending in the middle of an inflationary cycle. According to the Wall Street Journal, Democrats are slowly reconciling themselves to the reality they may have to settle for passing a small partisan health care spending bill. But don't be fooled. Their definition of small has expanded like American clothing sizes. Their so-called skinny bill is an enormous expansion in the entitlement state. West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin says he's open to passing a bill that would impose drug price controls to supposedly pay for sweetened Obamacare insurance subsidies for two years. As with Obamacare, Americans will find out what's in the bill after they pass it. Start with the Obamacare subsidies. Democrats last March made the premium tax credits for buying insurance on the Obamacare exchanges far more generous. They removed the eligibility limit, which had been 400% of the poverty line, about 54 grand for an individual. Nearly 5 million enrollees with incomes below 150% of the poverty line paid no premiums for plan this, year's, uh, this year at all. The subsidies have reduced premiums for millions of Americans by thousands of dollars, but the sweetened subsidies are set to expire at the end of this year, setting up a subsidy cliff we warned about last March, according to the editorial board. Democrats now want to extend the subsidies for two more years to delay the cliff they created in the first place. Two years from now, they'll do it again ad infinitum. The biggest beneficiaries are the insurers that pocketed the subsidies and then raised the premiums. The CBO raised its estimate for Obamacare exchange spending by $144 billion over the next decade from higher premiums and enrollment. It's laughable for Democrats to claim that extending the subsidies for two years will cost only $40 billion, and it gets worse. More than 20 million Americans now enrolled in Medicaid will likely lose coverage as soon as the public health emergency ends. Most will qualify for the expanded Obamacare subsidies. The Committee for a Responsible Federal Budget estimates all of this would cost $45 billion next year and $495 billion over the next decade. It turns out that dumping more money into subsidization of mass public health care costs a lot of money. Who would, who, who's shocked by this? And so if you're worried about systemic drags on the American economy, spending is the biggest systemic drag on the American economy, followed closely by regulation. And it's going to be a drag for the rest of the decade. 
The Biden administration coming into office was predicting that two, three years from now, we were going to be at 1.6, 1.7% GDP annualized growth rates. Those are not good growth rates. They don't even outpace the 2% expected inflation that you hope for from the Federal Reserve year on year. So all of this bodes ill for the long-term, midterm future of the United States, unless the United States dramatically reverses course on the way that it does economics. Meanwhile, over in New York, it is amazing that, that there are so many badly governed areas of the United States that insist Again, just like the Biden administration insists we're not a recession, a lot of badly governed areas insist they're really well governed and they are encouraging people to come back. So you've got Gavin Newsom in California encouraging everybody to come back to California. Meanwhile, they're talking about locking down again. And by the way, the cities that have the highest numbers of people leaving are all in California. According to CNBC.com, from coast to coast, prospective homebuyers are on the hunt for affordability, even if it means leaving their city to find it. A record number of potential U.S. homebuyers are seeking to relocate. According to a report published last week by real estate brokerage firm Redfin, the report ranked the cities Redfin users appeared most likely to try to leave. Here are the cities. You ready? San Francisco, L.A., New York. This is not a shock in any way whatsoever because living standards in those cities have declined markedly. In fact, I'm going to read you the names of the top seven cities. You ready? Here we go. San Francisco, L.A., New York, Washington, D.C., Seattle, Boston, Detroit. Um, you noticing something about those cities? These are some of the most liberal cities in America. I mean, those are major. And here are the cities with the highest level of incoming. You ready? These are the these are the cities with the most net inflow. You ready? Here we go. Miami, Tampa, Florida, Phoenix, Sacramento, which the reason people are moving to Sacramento is they're moving out of San Jose and they're moving out of San Francisco. Las Vegas, Cape Coral, Florida, San Diego, Northport, Florida, San Antonio, Dallas. Okay, so, so all these blue staters are talking about, come back to our city. We're running things beautifully. Meanwhile, everybody is leaving. I'm looking, at, again, at those, the, the two worst cities in America for people leaving right now are both in California and the third is New York. And then you look at these cities that are, are seeing the influx of homeowners. You're talking about in the top 10, one, two, three, four in Florida. Four of those cities are in Florida. And, um, and two are in Texas. San Diego is a, is a red city in a very, very blue state. Phoenix is in a red state. Las Vegas, Nevada is in a zero tax state. So, um, yeah, your governance is garbage. And that is why people are running screaming from your cities. Meanwhile, Democrats keep saying, what if we got the leadership of these cities and these states to lead the country? Gavin Newsom is one of the people they're talking about for president of the United States right now. Meanwhile, you got Eric Adams, who is running ads in Florida, trying to encourage people to come back from Florida to New York. So first of all, anybody who, who feels the inkling to do so, please leave. Like, seriously, go. Get out of my new home state. Go back to New York. Take your values with you. We don't want you here. No one is interested in you bringing your garbage New York governance down here to Florida. No one is interested in the slightest. The reason being, because it turns out that everything is out of control in New York City. Eric Adams came into office pledging that he was going to stop the crime. Well, so far, that is going extraordinarily poorly. So, for example, over the last couple of days, video emerged from New York of a pedestrian being struck by a car and then being robbed twice while he was laying on the ground. According to NBC New York, a jaw-dropping robbery was caught on camera in which police said the victim was stolen from twice by the people responsible for ramming him with a car in the Bronx. Dramatic video of Saturday morning's hit-and-run robbery shows a 39-year-old man jogging the final steps of a crosswalk, landing on the sidewalk, when a black four-door sedan swerves off the roadway directly into the victim. This apparently happened along East 169th Street around 6.40 a.m. The man flips over into the air. I mean, you can see the video. It's totally insane. And then you can see what happens next. So there he is trying to avoid the car. The car hits him. 
He's lying on the pavement. And uh, and then people get out of the car and they run up to him and they rob him. But that's not enough. Apparently, they forgot some more of his um, some more of his stuff. So they ran back and they run to his prone body and they uh, rob him again. The 39-year-old is uh, suffering significant body trauma, still listed in critical condition as of Sunday. So um, that 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 is going really, really, really well. Of course, the the descriptions of the suspect shall remain completely anonymous. They're, they're still at large right now, um, but uh, we can't describe them because to do so would be politically incorrect. That's the way it works in the media. We're not allowed to describe the suspect because to do so might promote stereotypes about crime. Meanwhile, in another crime story from the city of New York, a pastor was robbed at gunpoint on tape. There is a, a Brooklyn pastor, a black Brooklyn pastor, who was robbed at gunpoint during a live stream session. Shockingly, not by members of the KKK, but by, um, but by street criminals. So here is, uh, here is some of the tape. This is unbelievable. This occurred at the Leaders of Tomorrow International Ministries. All right, right, right. All right, right. All right, right. Um, they're being held up at gunpoint. Three armed masked men storm the podium. The bishop's name is Lamore Whitehead. He's delivering a sermon. Uh, and uh, they walk up and they uh, just take his jewelry. And they stroll right on out. According to the New York Post, police said the bandits took $400,000 worth of jewelry from Whitehead, his wife, and possibly churchgoers. Whitehead, dressed in a maroon suit with a gold-trimmed collar and sleeve cuffs, was wearing a long gold chain and a large ring on each finger at the time. The robbers fled east on Avenue D after the crime. Again, the, the robbers are still at large, but we are not allowed to actually note any description of the robbers whatsoever because to do so would be politically incorrect. That's the way that it works in the media. It, 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 by the way, it is an incredible thing, right? If you know that if these were white criminals who were robbing, for example, black pastors or hitting a black man with their car and then robbing him, it'd be a national news story. But black-on-black crime is never a national news story unless it is covered by the right. Because the victimization of black victims, we have to ignore that so long as the victimizer happens to be a person who is black. Meanwhile, Eric Adams, the mayor of New York City, again, running his city beautifully, it, it, is, it is incredible. When they are forced to con actually confront the impact of their own principles, things get pretty ugly pretty quickly. So Eric Adams, you'll remember that not all that long ago, he bragged about New York being a sanctuary city on Twitter. He's talking about how New York was a wonderful place to be for illegal immigrants and how they were going to welcome everybody. And it was just so terrible that these terrible, terrible right-wingers were anti-illegal immigration. And so he tweeted out, yes, New York City will remain a sanctuary city under an Adams administration. We should protect our immigrants, period. Uh, well, now he's having some second thoughts because it turns out that Texas and Arizona and other states along the Texas, uh, along the Mexican border, those states are saying, well, you know, we're not all that hot on illegal immigration, but you guys up there, you seem real hot on illegal immigration. So how about you take care of it? And so they've been busing illegal immigrants up to Washington, D.C. and New York. And this has led Eric Adams to whine about the fact that some 5,000 people have now been bussed into New York City. And how is he going to take care of all these people? Well, I mean, let's put it this way. You guys say that it's racist when the city of Laredo, Texas, which has a population of 35,000, is forced to take in tens of thousands of illegal immigrants every year by the, by the Border Patrol and by the terrible Biden administration. 5,000 illegal immigrants arrive in your city of 10 million people and you're already whining about it. So um, where are your principles, dude? I thought that you were, I, I thought it was a sanctuary city and everything was going to be fine. Shouldn't, borders are bad, aren't they? Explain, Eric Adams. We can't have uh, the historical, um, I believe people should be housed, but just don't house them on my block. Everyone blocked 
everyone's block is going to be impacted by this. And so we have to add our advocacy uh, with our uh, ability to help our neighbors. And we need everyone on board with this, you know, because uh, as I stated last week, our schools are going to be impacted. Our health care system is going to be impacted. Uh, our infrastructure is going to be impacted. Uh, but we're willing to do our job, and we're going, we're going to do our job, and we're going to need all New Yorkers to be with us on this. Okay, so now he's complaining. The, these terrible people at the border shipping their shipping these illegal immigrants here. It is amazing to watch the left be clocked in the head by its own boomerang. They, they throw this policy out there. Or we're going to nail you with our own policy. And then the boomerang comes back, smacks him, and then they have no idea what to do about it. It's also amusing to watch as Democrats start to infight over the fact that the radicals in their own caucus are really bad for them. According to Daily Wire, New York State Senator Jessica Ramos, who is no right winger, slammed Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez Sunday afternoon on Twitter for allegedly never being present in the community she's supposed to be serving. Well, that's because she serves the community of Instagram, right? I mean, she, she's not actually a congressperson. She doesn't do anything for a living. She goes on Instagram and she talks about things while sticking her face in bowls of ice. And then the media cover her as though she's actually promoted a single piece of meaningful legislation her entire career, which she is not. The remarks from Ramos, chair of the New York Senate Committee on Labor, came in response to an exchange that Ocasio-Cortez had online regarding health care. A tweet from a random Twitter account said, quote, a couple of the most highly respected health policy academics recently set up a meeting with AOC's office to discuss NHS-style health care reform. They were told bluntly by AOC staff, we're not doing health care right now. I'm really sorry to hear this happen. It's not representative of me nor my values, Ocasio-Cortez responded. If you can connect with details, I'd appreciate it. I'll follow, so DMs will be open. Ramos responded directly, quote, maybe if you spent more time in your office with your team, you'd know what goes on. Just saying it'd be nice if you breathed our air. So as an employer, what happens with the staffer who said this? So she's actually getting clocked by the left AOC. Ramos responding to criticism of her calling out Ocasio-Cortez by explaining that AOC's officer are on the same floor as hers and she's never there. Ramos said, our district offices are on the same floor in the same building. She's barely ever present in the community. It's an indisputable fact. Well, I mean, that is true because again, she's not a congressperson. She's an Instagram star. Her job isn't to be with her constituency. Her constituency is the media and the media love her. And that's so true of pretty much everybody who governs in these big blue cities. Lori Lightfoot's constituency is not the people of Chicago. It's the media. Gavin Newsom's constituency is not the people of California. It's the media. The, the, all of these mayors and, and governors of big blue cities and big blue states, they're all performative actors on behalf of, of, of the media. They're, they're not interested in what their constituencies actually want. And then they wonder why they're losing more and more voters to the Republican Party. That would be one giant reason. Well, if you are one of the many Americans who are currently looking to move out of an area governed by people like AOC into a much better area of the country, if you're considering a new home purchase this year, this message is for you. Did you know you can lock your mortgage rate before you start home shopping? That actually is true. You're able to lock it for 120 days when you work with American financing. So you're getting peace of mind as you search for the perfect home. You don't miss out on the best deal once you're ready to make an offer. But it doesn't end there. They also provide a no-pressure, no-obligation lending experience. From custom loans to fast closings and everything in between, their salary-based mortgage consultants really can do it all. They can even help you refinance later so you experience greater savings when the market gets better. So don't put off the new home any longer. It's a great time to buy. And you can get the pre-approval process started right now by calling 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300. Or visit AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 1823343, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. You're starting to see the prices on homes come down right now. So you might be looking to buy in the near future, but the rates are probably going up in the near future. So how do you square that circle? Well, why not lock in that home loan rate like right now? And that gives you a while to find the home that you're actually looking for as those prices go down. Give American Financing a call today, 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300. Or visit AmericanFinancing.com. 
Net. All righty, Harry's Razors, you remember them. They used to advertise on our shows until somebody here, here at this company, said that boys are boys and girls are girls. And so they said that we had a values misalignment, which was true because, again, their values are wrong. So we did the only thing that we could. We launched an entire razor company just to smack them upside the head. It's called Jeremy's Razors. Every Jeremy's Razor kit comes with a premium razor, two sets of blades, shaving cream, and aftershave balm. It's a beautiful thing to behold. Over 70,000 of those kits have already shipped at this point in time. It's time to stop giving your money to woke corporations that hate your guts. Instead, head on over to IHateHarrys.com and get your Jeremy's Razors today. You're listening to the largest, fastest-growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. And meanwhile, let's talk about racism in this here United States. We can talk about it because there is a, a story that has captured the top of the news, and that is that apparently, supposedly, a mascot at Sesame Place is racist. I, I continue to fail to see how the tape that we have been shown is, is racist, but here is the story. Apparently, a video shared by a person named Jody on social media shows her two daughters excitedly greeting characters as they parade through the popular theme park in Philadelphia. Now, again, Philadelphia is, is a largely minority city. So the idea that, that Sesame Place is racist, that would be a bizarre place to put like a racist theme park. It's like right around Philadelphia. <laughs> it's a strange place to put a racist theme park. When the two girls see the character of Rosita walking by, they step forward for a hug or a high five. And um, then the, the mascot appears not to see them and then walks past them. This turned into a national news story because the two little girls are black. And we can't just attribute this action by the person inside the mascot to the fact that it seems rather uncomfortable to be inside the mascot. I don't know what the visibility is like because I've not worn a, a giant Sesame Street head. Um, but it does not appear that this is a, a perfect example of brutal systemic American racism. But the mom posted on Instagram, quote, I'm going to keep posting this because this had me hot. We were on our way out of Sesame Place and the kids wanted to stop to see the characters. This disgusting person blatantly told our kids no, then proceeded to hug the little white girl next to us. Then when I went to complain about it, they kept looking at me like I'm crazy. Well, I mean, I asked the lady who the character was and I wanted to see a supervisor. She told me she didn't know. I'll never step foot in Sesame Place ever again. Please feel free to repost this. Please feel free. And it feels like you kind of want the attention. Okay, now this woman's name, it turns out, was Jody Brown. And she then decided that she might sue Sesame Place over this incident, for which there is no verified actual racism. Here she was explaining. There's several different um, demands that we've made. Number one, we called for the immediate termination of that individual. There's no room. There has to be a no tolerance policy in our country when it comes to racism. We've also asked for an authentic and genuine apology. What we see is the company just responding when they're almost compelled to, right. when it's damage control. So again, we have to have you know, the company take more of a proactive step and they need to do right by these children. I mean, they, they, these children have suffered immense harm as a result of it. I mean, they will forever be known as the children who were dismissed or rejected by a Sesame Street character. They need to be compensated and need to have therapy allotted for them and so forth. So again, this is, we can't just let this go by without any um, substantial changes. If the theme park does not do those things, are you contemplating a lawsuit? Oh, of course. We've said from the very beginning that all options will always remain on the table. I mean, we don't want to have these two children engaged in litigation, but if that's what we need to do to effectuate change in this country, that's what we have to do. Oh, that's uh, so much, so much civil rights in here. That's B. Ivory Lamar, who is the lawyer for the mom. 
they've suffered immense harm. Have they? It seems like the harm that they suffered was mostly because mom decided to post the video and turn this into a racial issue without any actual evidence that it wasn't just a guy in a giant character suit who didn't see the kids properly and was addressing people behind them. That's what it actually looks like. Not that he's saying no to the kids, but that the person inside the character suit is saying no to people who are standing behind the kids. But pretend that th this is this is true race. The Congressional Black Caucus is now requesting a meeting with the president and general manager of Sesame Place. Uh, the Congressional Black Caucus. Congress wants like we must have investigative hearings like January 6th. What happened over here? Since the video made its way across social media, Sesame Place released a statement saying the performer didn't ignore the kids on purpose. And the no gesture seen in the footage was not to the children specifically. They called the incident unacceptable. Never do that. Never do that. Just say that's not what happened. We understand why you would see it that way, but you're wrong. Instead, they quasi apologize. And that's the worst thing you can do. Now the CBC wants an audience with the Sesame Place Park president and general manager to discuss. And then the CBC says, quote, over the past week, we've seen multiple glaring examples of racism coming from the park, including that viral video. OK, so where are the other examples? Where are the other examples? She said, I thought it was excuses, the mom. She said, I also thought it was very disrespectful, like they were trying to brush me off. Well, I mean, they were trying to brush you off because you seem like kind of a crazy person, frankly. Like this is this is the big. Have you never been to a theme park? where your kids have tried to get the attention of one of the characters and it, and haven't gotten it. We used to go to Disneyland all the time. The characters are trying to like interact with hundreds of people at one time. Sometimes kids get missed. Is that because of racism? But apparently this is a, a brutal instance of racism. Brutal, brutal. And this is why, by the way, it's very important also that we had Benjamin Crump, one of the great racial grifters of our time, sign on, sign in. Benjamin Crump is, is the lawyer who arrives anytime a black person gets shot by a, a cop who is not a black cop, Benjamin Crump shows up and claims that it's unjustified and unjustifiable, despite the fact that in at least half of the cases, that is not true. I would say significantly more than half of the cases. That's not true. So uh, Benjamin Crump showed up as well to talk about this. Uh, he, he went to a protest and, um, and here is what Benjamin Crump had to say. You saw the video. You look in their eyes when Rosette dis ignores them as if they are invisible. And it's such a difficult thing for Ms. Brown and her family to have to explain to her six-year-old daughter and six-year-old niece about racism. It's not fair. <laughs> I mean, credit to Benjamin Crump for being able to manage the same sort of gravity that he uses when you know people are actually shot for this. That, that, that is kind of impressive. Okay, so we have now learned that if a if a theme park character mistakenly does not take a picture with a couple of black kids, it's definitely because of racism. But for sure, what's not because of racism is this piece from Damon Young, a contributing columnist for the Washington Post. And this is literally in the Washington Post. Here's the title of the piece. You ready? Someone gave our daughter a white doll. How do we um disappear it? Not racist, not racist at all. Quote, we still don't know how it got into our house. Maybe it was a present for my mother-in-law. She regularly sneaks toys and snacks to our kids like they're prisoners and Cheetos them phone card minutes. Maybe it was borrowed from a classmate or maybe it conjured itself into existence through alchemy and spells. Either way, two months ago, when my wife and I noticed our six-year-old daughter was playing with a white baby doll with long blonde hair, our immediate thought was, wait, where did that come from? And then after watching her dote on it for two days, our thoughts shifted. So how do we get rid of it? Um, What? My wife and I don't see eye to eye on everything, says this columnist. That would be boring and weird. She loves dancing in public. I love dancing in my chair while eating food by myself. 
Few things matter to us, however, more than our daughter loving her features, her hair and her skin as much as we do. She's perceptive enough already to see and feel, even if she can't quite articulate it yet, how white beauty is considered the standard here in America. A status reinforced when she notices monochromatic magazine covers at a bookstore or watches advertisements during her favorite cartoons. Um, first of all, have you not been to a bookstore in like 30 years? Seriously, like look at the magazine covers. Those are very diverse magazine covers. Are you talking about like who's in commercials these days? It's not monochromatic white people. It really is not. But says this columnist, we've always been intentional buying her dolls and toys of color. Black is always the preference, but we've made exceptions like Moana. White dolls, though, we haven't officially banned them. There's no sign on our stoop saying no dogs or Malibu Barbies. But if we're at a store and the only dolls for sale are white, we'll be leaving dollless that night. Our rationale is simple. The physiognomy of a baby doll represents what the person buying it considers to be precious. And a decision to gift a white doll to our daughter, who is already aware of the ceaseless cultural proselytization of Eurocentric beauty, could communicate to her that we value those features more than hers. So then the rest of the article is about how they are going to get rid of this doll that their daughter actually likes. They have to dump the doll. Very, very important. They say, our anxiety about her preferring Daisy over her black dolls seemed for naught. What probably happened is what always happens with my daughter's toys. She got bored with it and started playing with something else. Or maybe one of us took the initiative and followed through with the disappearing. Maybe Daisy is in the Monagala River floating past McKeesport, Pennsylvania. I guess I could ask my wife if she did that. I guess she could just ask me. But if neither of us ask, neither of us will know the truth. And if neither of us knows the truth, neither of us would have to perjure ourselves at a tribunal. Okay, I just, I, I question whether a piece about a white family saying we took a black Barbie and we threw her in the river because we didn't want our daughter playing with black dolls was to believe that black dolls were beautiful, how that would go. And yet that sort of mainstream kind of clear and open racism is perfectly fine in the media. But you have a, a Sesame Street character who mistakenly ignores a couple of black girls, and that's deep systemic American racism. Yeah, I think you've got this a little backwards, guys. I think you have a little backwards. All right, we'll be back here later today with additional content. In the meantime, go check out The Michael Knowles Show. That's available right now at dailywireplus.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Bradford Carrington. Executive producer, Jeremy Boring. Supervising producer, Mathis Glover. Production manager, Pavel Wydowski. Associate producer, Savannah Dominguez-Morris. Editor, Adam Saievitz. Audio mixer, Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup artist and wardrobe, Fabiola Cristina. Production coordinator, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022. The White House redefines recession, CNN attacks Christian nationalism, and Trump plans to fire 50,000 government bureaucrats. Check it out on The Michael Knowles Show. Hey, 